Hey guys, thanks for hitting that download button and downloading My Take Radio episode 289. We really appreciate it. This episode is our gaming and entertainment edition. We're going to talk about the latest, including uh, the issues that people are talking about with regards to Mortal Kombat. We're going to get into a ton of Marvel movie news and so much more. My Take Radio episode 289 starts right now. The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's going on, guys? My Take Radio, episode 289, broadcasting live April 23rd, 2015. I'm your host, Rich, and our call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number, 347-324-3541. If this is your first time tuning into My Take Radio, My Take Radio is a variety show covering mixed martial arts and professional wrestling, uh, professional wrestling on Wednesday nights at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. And Thursday nights, we cover gaming, entertainment. Sometimes we sprinkle some tech and pop culture in there as well. As always, you can listen live by heading over to gfqlive.tv, excuse me, or mtrlive.com. Of course, on mtrlive.com, you get our full video feed and you get 96K stereo audio courtesy of Mixler as well. Thank you, Slick. And, um... As always, archived episodes of the show are available on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and video archives are available on both YouTube channels, uh, My Take Radio TV, and Official Rageworks. All right, so last night, of course, we had a very lengthy but very, very good discussion about MMA and wrestling. Ben joined me for MMA, and of course, I gave my picks for the Extreme Rules pay-per-view event. That episode, both audio and video, will be uploaded later this evening. And we're also going to put out our intro video for Patreon and a couple of other things that we are working on as well. But the big one is a giveaway that we are working on in partnership with our colleagues at Royal Flush Magazine. I have here a second generation Moto X that we are going to give away. We're going to launch the contest this weekend, and it's super easy. We're going to pretty much lay out all the rules, but the biggest part of the contest will be super easy. You're going to go on the post when it goes live, and you're going to share why you need this phone. 
Maybe you have a shitty flip phone and you want to make the jump to a smartphone. I know some of you do. Maybe you're just looking to get this as an extra phone. Whatever the case may be, make a compelling argument. Share a picture of your device in the comment. And myself and Danny from Royal Flush Magazine will pick the best one and give them this Moto X. Now, this Moto X is a review unit that we received and was tested on T-Mobile. So, I cannot stress enough. Please be a T-Mobile subscriber if you're going to enter this contest. I will also make sure to include that in the rules. But this phone will go to one of you guys. I wanted to announce it on air to kind of get the ball rolling. The full post will be live this weekend. Now, I'm really hyped for this for a couple of reasons. If you guys have read the review on RageWorks.net, you'll see that the Moto X 2nd Gen is a very, very good phone. Not only that, it has... Pretty much a bare-bones Google interface, and this one has the wood grain finish, which, of course, if you go to Moto Maker, you have to customize that yourself. But this one in particular, like I said, will be with a full wood grain finish. So that contest will go live this weekend, and um, we'll figure out a duration, and there's going to be a couple of other rules as well. But again, we're going to give away this Moto X to one of you guys. Simple as that. And... Best part, we'll announce the winner on air, and I will ship the device out to you guys. Like I said, this was a review unit. It was opened, and um, it is in mint condition. Comes with everything. It's not, e it's not even a question that there's no accessories or anything. The Moto X box is right behind me. Phone is mint, and it's ready for use for any T-Mobile subscriber that wins the contest. So there you have it, ladies and gents. We are going to be giving away a Moto X Within the, the next couple, I'd like to at least give the contest two weeks, maybe a little longer, but two weeks might be might be the limit. We'll see how it goes. Again, contest will go live this weekend. Myself and Danny from Royal Flush Magazine will be handling the awarding honors, so to speak, and we will announce the winner on air. Of course, it is open to everyone. If you are a RageWorks reader, a My Take Radio listener, a Royal Flush Magazine fan, Twitter follower, YouTube subscriber, whatever the case may be, it is open to everyone. Hell, including, well, let me, let me, let me, let me clarify that, including some of our non-senior staff. All senior staff are exempt and cannot participate, obviously, but everybody else are freelancers and those that want to participate are welcome to do so. So there you have it, guys. Moto X, courtesy of Rageworks and Royal Flush Magazine. Contest goes live this weekend. All right, so a couple of other things I did want to share with you guys. Um, I want to thank all of you that have been subscribing to the Rageworks YouTube channel. I know it's been a, a tough transition for many of you that were subscribed on the My Take Radio YouTube channel to also follow Rageworks. A couple of things. For those of you that are not aware, the My Take Radio YouTube channel is only for My Take Radio episodes, meaning only only shows, that's it. No unboxings, no product reviews, no movie trailers, none of that. All of that stuff will be on youtube.com forward slash official RageWorks. So that's where you're going to be able to see all our reviews, all our video content, our streams, and everything else. So... Just as a refresher, that's what you're going to need to do if you want to get access to some of our other stuff, our video reviews, and all our other content. 
As I mentioned yesterday, we will be covering Special Edition NY and sharing videos, movies, pictures, you name it, from the event over the course of those two days. We're also going to be covering Consumer Electronics Week as well. Now, the only thing I do have to say is for those of you that have asked about a secondary video source, I was actually speaking about this with Andrew from GFQ, and in instances where there's issues with video or the video feed is down, we are going to implement a secondary live video page. Again, this is going to be for those instances where there's technical issues, etc. And more than likely, we are going to be streaming that video straight to YouTube, which is going to bring in a completely different audience. But we're working on, on finalizing that. And hopefully, we're going to do some testing maybe at the end of May. Uh, we'll keep you guys posted with regards to that. All right, so what's on deck for tonight? We got a ton of gaming news. We got a really, really solid, solid entertainment segment this week. And as always, we will take your calls, 347-324-3541. Again, 347-324-3541. You can also use that number to listen to the show via your mobile device if you don't want to use the Mixler app. If you do, the Mixler app is available for iOS and Android devices, and you can listen to the live stream that way. All right, so let's get this ball rolling. Let's jump into the gaming news of the week, shall we? All right, so I want to get the ball rolling with a very interesting news item that came out um, for Mortal Kombat X. Now, there's been a lot of news this week, both from the comic book medium, but also in the gaming industry about the introduction of characters that are not heterosexual, um, bisexual, gay, lesbian, transgender, whatever the case may be, there's always been um, a, a, a brand new. Let me let me put it this way: there's always been a new trend to introduce characters that fall in those spectrums to the mainstream. Sometimes they're well received; other times they're viewed as cash grabs. The big news item this week was, of course, that the Iceman from the past that was brought forward into the current Marvel universe has been revealed as being gay. And while everybody had their own opinions about it, I really, it didn't bother me any, any bit. And the reason I say this is because people are debating the sexual orientation of a fictional character. And this is going to go into some stuff we're going to discuss during the entertainment segment regarding uh, the commentary from Chris Evans and Jeremy Renner and the whole big debacle regarding Black Widow. We're going to talk about that. But on the gaming side of things, very interesting. Um, there's a character there, which is Kung Jin. And um, it's been revealed that he is actually a gay character, the first character in the Mortal Kombat series. And this all came about because of a scene in Chapter 4 where he's having a conversation with Raiden and... Um, you know, Raiden is asking him to join Shaolin and Kung Jin's response is that the group won't accept him to which Raiden responds. They care only of what is in your heart, not whom your heart desires. Now, of course, as soon as people heard that, they kind of started thinking the gear started turning and people were curious. So somebody reached out actually to NetherRealm Studios cinematic director uh, Dominic Ciacolo, who confirmed that. Glad we have observant fans, you know, 
And um, because of that, it's been revealed that Kong Jin is the first gay character in the Mortal Kombat universe. Now, again, me as a gamer and and just as, as a human, labels don't mean shit. At least for me. Black gamers, white gamers, straight gamers, gay gamers, transgender, it doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is that the character is gay, so what? But of course, we live in a society where the internet is a shield for people to express themselves in ways that sometimes aren't viewed favorably in the real world. So of course, people hide behind that and they, um, they say some terrible shit. Slick, I would uh, tone that down a bit. Um, the fact of the matter is, again, sexual orientation for a fictional character shouldn't be something that's debated. It's stupid, and it's just as ridiculous as people debating, um, you know, Heimdall being black in Thor. Tertiary character, doesn't matter, not worth debating. Johnny Storm being African American in Fantastic Four, we've addressed it. There's there's a difference of opinion there, and it's not because it was done for the sake of changing the story, but it was just a change that was completely random for the sake of being random. And again, I'm all for trying to have everybody's cultures and genders represented in any medium. I am. Say what you will. If you don't agree with the ideals, do yourselves a favor. Shut the shit off. Because I'm serious. I'm an equal opportunity offender. You know, everybody, got to, everybody has to get their feelings hurt. Doesn't matter. But everybody also has a right to be acknowledged. You know? <laughs> Lucha Lee says, and I quote, If Mortal Kombat has taught me anything, it's that they're all the same on the inside. Because they're show, they, they show their insides to us, and it's messy. This is true. But the fact that so many people were up in arms about uh, 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 again, a fictional character's sexual preference doesn't matter. It doesn't. It was it was nice that it was acknowledged and people picked up on it, but it wasn't like they were expanding on that mythology and that story to the extent where it would become offensive. And that's what that's what bothers me. I can understand if people are offended about things that directly affect them. But the gender of a fictional character in a game that's that glorifies violence in all forms is just a non-issue. I, I feel the same way with regards to gender in comic books and the fact that, you know, sexual preference, gender, race, people have things to say. When Miles Morales became Spider-Man, everybody was up in arms about it. Three months or six months later, you see those same people. Oh, this comic book is amazing. Again, doesn't matter. Yes, Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Yes, Peter Parker is white. But there doesn't necessarily have to be one Spider-Man. And we've learned this. Look at the popularity of, of Spider-Gwen, which was introduced during the Spider-Verse storyline. You know, uh, Gwen Stacy with Peter Parker, with Spider-Man's powers, super popular, selling everywhere. Kids love it. Um, you know, and, and it's, it's good. It's, it's something good that helps kids relate. And that's that's all that matters to me. I think that, you know, we we need to become more of a society of just tolerance. Like everybody's too busy to be offended about shit that doesn't affect their everyday. But I wanted to share that because I saw so many people as soon as that revelation was made, they take like I said to Twitter and the best commentary the be the people with the best commentary, and I say that in quotes, 
are the people who hide behind the label of anonymous because those are the people that don't even want to really stand in front of their views and say and say what they feel legitimately and i disagree so what the character's sexual orientation does not take away from the game whatsoever on the contrary it adds an interesting layer of you know just shit that happens in the real world me personally doesn't bother me in the least again labels genders all that bullshit that people try to champion on social media or otherwise mean nothing we bleed breathe and breed the same well obviously genders genders being uh the 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 big divider there but you guys get what I'm saying. It's, it's foolish that so many people were bent out of shape about something that really had no bearing on a media, uh, you know, on the enjoyment of the game. Which leads me to, while well, we're on the subject of Mortal Kombat, the continuing, uh, I want to say the continuing backlash with regards to DLC, microtransactions, people hacking characters to unlock other characters. It's, it's a crazy turn of events, but... None of this surprises me. I mean, Slick mentioned the on-disc DLC frustrations that, that are warranted, but again, we, we all knew this was coming. It's like an article I read from Polygon about Mortal Kombat X being a great game six months from now or a year from now. Because at that point, all the characters will be out. You can buy the edition with everybody and go about your business. Again... Not totally, ha- not totally happy about all this stuff that's coming out of the woodwork because, again, it's really souring people on the company and the series. But like I've said before, you guys have the full wherewithal to make decisions for yourselves and not buy the shit. Simple as that. On another note, um, Slick asked me last week about you know, wanting to play as Jason and the DLC and all that stuff. And I explained to him that, you know, the DLC is going to be released gradually. Well, for those of you that are looking to play as Jason Voorhees and do have the season pass or the combat pack, you will only have to wait until May 5th. Uh, NetherRealm announced that uh, they announced that during their live stream that you're going to be able to play as Jason Voorhees if you ordered the season pass or the combat pack beginning May 5th. Otherwise, those of you that are interested in purchasing him piecemeal will have to wait a week later. But Jason will be available in the Premier Towers, even for players that haven't purchased him. So you'll be able to fight against Jason with any of the other in-game characters. So there is always that. I did want to put that out there because I know some of you were have purchased the combat pack and have reached out to me, you know, off air and said, hey, you know, I purchased the combat pack. Any idea? Who's dropping first? What date? Well, you're going to be able to play as Jason first beginning on May 5th. All right, so let's switch gears a little bit. I do want to talk about 2K Games' announcement that WWE 2K15 is heading to PC. Now, the crazy thing about this game heading to PC is that if you've played Street Fighter or you've seen videos of Street Fighter on the PC, people do a lot of really, really great mods for Street Fighter, creating other characters, other skins, changing the movesets. I know that WWE 2K15 heading to the PC is going to create some really, really interesting stuff. It could be a, a, as simple as easier easier to modify characters, 
special arenas, different stipulations. The the hacking and modding community on the PC side of things is always something that impre- it's always something that impresses me. I mean, you see games like GTA where somebody decides we're going to play GTA from the perspective of the of a deer or or something like that or they're going to skin all the characters to make it look like Star Wars or anything else. It's always really cool and it shows that there's so much untapped talent out there that can do some of this stuff but seeing wwe 2k15 head to the pc of course you're going to get all the dlc the arrival packs the showcase modes including one more match hall of pain path of the warrior and um you know all that stuff you'll be able to do but it's it's just crazy to me that it's opening up the doors for other modifications Slick, I know that animal play is part of the natural game, but making the entire game animal-based is a mod that I saw today. Everything. Not just the one part of the game. Everything. Hence why I said it. Um, In any case, the modding community has done some crazy shit. And seeing it done with wrestling wrestling games is going to be something that's going to be interesting to see, like I said, because the talent that's out there for the stuff on the consoles is out of this world. I downloaded a Finn Balor off of just a server to use in WWE 2K15, and he was spot on. Face paint, move set. Obviously, the name wasn't there and the music wasn't there, but everything else was spot on, including the moves that he used in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Just really, really cool stuff. Um, a lot of the gear that people have done that they've replicated right down to all the small details, the changes in Seth Rollins' ring gear, um, the changes in Roman Reigns' ring gear, all the different uh, gear that Dean Ambrose has worn. It's just amazing the amount of stuff you see customized just on the console and now opening up that those floodgates to the PC is going to create some really, really awesome stuff that I'm looking forward to seeing. I mean, I'm not a big PC gamer. I've I've never made any any you know false illusions that i'm that i am and the reason is just because i like the console i like to just pick up and play mentality of the console my pc is for work and for you guys for the show i always view that as a tool and not so much as something that i'm gonna sit in front of for that i have all these consoles including some retro ones that will keep me busy for quite some time but those of you that do game on the pc i admire your dedication and I'll be honest, a PC that's fully specced out generates some beautiful visuals. I've seen some games where you think they look amazing on a console, and then you see them on a high-end, super-powerful PC, and it's just a whole other ball game. So, again, you know, PC Master Race, you guys, you guys got uh, some cool shit at your disposal. I'm just somebody that's not ready to dip my toes into the pool because I just feel that for me at this point, it's a lot of work. And I know people are like, oh, you know, Rich, you should try Steam. Steam is easy. You could jump on. You could pick up a couple different games. They're super cheap. And, you know, you don't need to have a fully specced out system to enjoy them. And that's cool. But it's it just becomes something else that I got to be, that I have to make time for. And then what will happen is it'll take away from me doing work, you know, uh, writing columns or stuff for the site or editing. So... I'd rather just keep both things separate, but I'm curious to see. I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of mods for WWE 2K15. I know people are going to put out some crazy shit. If I I mean, going back to 
WWE, well, WWF, No Mercy on the Nintendo 64. I remember I searched high and low to buy a Game Shark. This is, of course, dating ourselves. Get picking up a Game Shark because there was a list of codes to do uh, asshole chants, have Jim Ross yell, you kicked out at the two count. Uh, you could do the triple cage from Ready to Rumble. You could also do the ECW Stairway to Hell match. Um, you could do asshole chants. There is an endless list of codes that can be implemented with the Game Shark for Nintendo 64 for WWE No Mercy. I mean, well, WWF No Mercy. It's, it was ridiculous, the stuff that I saw. You can look for some of those videos on YouTube and see for yourself because there, there was some really cool shit. I think the only code that I ever got right was the asshole chant. You kicked out. Oh, and um, when Kurt Angle's music would hit and the crowd would chant, you suck, um, in harmony with Kurt Angle's music, that was one that I used a, a lot just because I played as Kurt Angle a lot in those games because, obviously, suplexes for days. But, um, again, you know, seeing those mods in those old games and the possibility of them coming to the PC makes me pretty hype. If you are a PC gamer and you're definitely doing some cool shit like that, with WWE 2K15, definitely send me the videos. I'd love to share them with the with the listeners and the viewers just so they could see what can be done in that game. The other big announcement comes courtesy of Telltale Games this week as they announced that they are going to be working with Marvel Entertainment to develop a new secret project that is going to be debuting in 2017. Obviously, Marvel has been running rampant lately with the success of the Avengers already um, overseas, which I'm going to discuss the announcement of an animated Spider-Man film, which we're going to discuss. Marvel's been on a tear lately. They've been doing a lot of great stuff. It's weird though, because, and, and again, this is just me putting it out there, but think about the Rocksteady, uh, the Rocksteady's Batman series and the amazing job that they've done with that. And even to, to a degree, some of the last few Spider-Man games, I know Slick played, I believe there was Amazing Spider-Man 2 and reviewed it on the site, and how those games have come such a long way that, for once, I'd like to see a more open world, even something like the Avengers would be cool in an open world landscape on par with um, what's been done with the Batman games. I think doing something like that would be cool, playing as the different Avengers, doing different missions in different parts of the you know Marvel Universe, whether it's doing stuff in New York or you know going to Wakanda, maybe playing as Black Panther. I think that something of of that magnitude needs to happen. I think that DC. Well, let me let me rephrase that. I think Batman <laughs> has been executed very very well with regards to what Rocksteady has done with the character and with the series. The combat is fluid. The environments are, uh, you know, just apropos. They work for the series. I'd like to see Marvel kind of jump into that a bit more. Even if even if Rocksteady, if the Rocksteady engine for Batman was used in a game like Spider-Man, just to make it a little darker, a little grittier, um, you know, doing all the different missions, stopping all the different stuff. And I know that, you know, Slick touched on a lot of that when he reviewed the Spider-Man game that you can do some of those things. But I just feel that maybe just bigger sprites, more detail would make for a very, very interesting game. Imagine being able to play through a a, a really, really, well, quasi-accurate New York environment and, 
you know, stopping robberies and burglaries and different things. And you can do them or not do them for, you know, different achievements and different hero points that maybe you could use to upgrade, you know, different features on web shooters, different costumes, and then obviously solve certain crimes. I think it would be amazing to see something like that. Maybe you can implement, um, you know, the, the Peter Parker's photography and use that for another thing. I mean, I've seen other Spider-Man games do that but never on a level like Rocksteady has done with Batman, which, again, I'd love to see. And even if it's not Spider-Man and maybe with his popularity as of late, maybe a Daredevil game like that would be really good. You know, solving all the different crimes, using your heightened senses and trying to find where these crimes are occurring, stopping them, you know, dismantling the kingpin, the hand, and maybe throwing in a couple of different Marvel characters for good measure. I do feel that, good superhero games are hard to come by you know it's just um it's tough i like that you, you know what's funny you uh slick mentioned court in a daredevil game listen if people if people can make <laughs> if people can make um what the hell's that game phoenix right which is a court game interesting i'm sure they could find a way to do something <laughs> with daredevil to make it somewhat interesting i'm not saying that you know you're 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 doing full trials and shit but maybe there's a dynamic that could be implemented into the game that would make it interesting maybe you know using the evidence from a crime that you solved to put a guy away nothing crazy like i said maybe something you know quick time uh, a quick time event that you could just, you know, put a button press or two and maybe it's a choose your own adventure type of thing and then obviously do all the combat. There's there's something there. There definitely is something there with regards to just implementing a good Marvel game. And again, you shouldn't relegate it to just the Spider-Man license. Of course, if you guys remember one of and I've I think I've mentioned this once or twice, one of my favorite arcade games was the Avengers game where you'd go and you'd pick one of the four te- uh, four team members, fight your way through. In the first level, I believe the bosses were Claw and Cyclone, and you'd fight them in the first level. And obviously, a lot of other companies replicated that same thing. Uh, X-Men, the arcade, um, of course, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, The Simpsons. There's even a Spider-Man game that was like that, that you could play a Spider-Man and you'd fight this giant Venom at the end of a stage. Uh, I I really feel that those days, even though those games were more, you know, straightforward, more simplistic, they were fun. I mean, I streamed a, a Punisher game a couple of months back in a Blast from the Past feature that nobody even heard of, where you could play as either the Punisher or Nick Fury, and you'd fight your way through all the stages, obviously, to take down the Kingpin at the end of the game. But again, it's just one of those things where you could play those games and they weren't they weren't you know super advanced super ahead of their time but they 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 filled a niche and you know lucha lee says i'm a big fan of those beat em up arcade games as was i i think those games ate a lot of quarters i remember playing aliens versus predator which is another game that i actually um played in our blast from the past feature and that game was without a doubt you know just one of those games where when you played it you were like oh shit this is um this is some crazy stuff and for me just as a you know somebody who's a comic fan I'd like to see Marvel represented just as good as DC is with the Batman games again this is one of those things where you know and I've said this before people 
people are going to make their their case that oh well you know batman's a special case etc etc but um for those of you that aren't familiar i want to show you guys the um the punisher game just because i think that those of you that have never seen it would appreciate the way it looks let me uh see if i can pull it up i actually have this i actually have the video so i'm shocked that they actually will let me play it uh, let me see if they'll let me play it because youtube is a little uh little sketchy as of late no i guess not i guess youtube won't let me play that hmm weird let me try that again but in any case as i was saying you know those beat-em-ups are uh they're few and far between and even if we get something like that at least i'll take it versus just you know batman being the only game in town which again not a not a dig against batman but just something where it's like it's like shit you know can i live can i um can i get a game that's actually somewhat enjoyable i mean it doesn't happen often especially with other marvel characters but at minimum at least if they could replicate what bat there we go check this out guys let's see if it'll load cuz it's been uh no see this is what happens youtube they complain about all this content nope guess not anyway as i was saying if you guys want to see it um here's the link for it i'm going to drop the link in the chat you guys can check it out that's the uh the punisher arcade game and i also had the um the predator game the aliens versus predator game as well i actually put those on the my take radio youtube channel but you're welcome to check them out if if you're in the chat again those are you know those are some old school games that i streamed not too long ago anyway as i was saying you know i'd like to see that i'd like to see marvel really dip their their toes into the pool and put out really really good games i think they got the wherewithal and the the money to put out a game that's comparable to at least the batman series I, with the with the advancements in consoles it definitely can be done like I said, there's plenty of properties you could do. You could do a good Spider-Man game, um, you know, for next-gen consoles. Do it full open world. Uh, maybe Daredevil if you want to go a little obscure. Hell, I'd like to see a really good Superman game. Even if you could do that, maybe have Rocksteady do that, where, you know, you're 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 doing stuff as Clark Kent. You're doing stuff as Superman. You use the super hearing. Oh, somebody's in trouble. You could do that stuff and, of course, solve some some other shit as well. I mean, it's not going to be as deep as the Batman games, but I'm sure there's a way that we can make Superman remotely interesting. Anyway, last thing I wanted to put out there and I wanted to kind of touch on before we move into this week's entertainment news is that um, brand new Call of Duty, a little bit of light was shed on it. This uh, brand new Black Ops trailer, which is Black Ops 3, is going to pretty much involve, you know, cyborg soldiers, more futuristic combat and of course, the case can be made that oh well, you know, at that case, at that point, why don't you just call it Halo? And I mean, the Call of Duty series is a cash cow in every sense of the word. Nobody should be shocked that you're going to go back to what works. And Black Ops was a series that made the companies that you know that made the gaming industry a lot of money. So you can't exactly sweep it under the rug. Yes, the case can be made that it's the same old shit. But you know what? The case can be made that Halo 5 is going to be the same old shit. Um, you know, all of these other games. Hell, Madden every year, same old shit. But 
the numbers don't lie and people still buy it. So I'm curious to see what they do, how they keep the series fresh, especially on, you know, the, the newer consoles. We'll see how that pans out once we get, um, a release date and some stuff. I'll share it with you guys, but we'll definitely be posting the trailer on rageworks.net. All right. So with that, we're actually going to wrap up the gaming for this week. It's been a little bit light, but I'm sure that's going to pick up as we get closer to E3. So let's get that ball rolling and jump into the week's entertainment news, shall we? Alright, so for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the development of the Preacher TV series, which of course is following the Vertigo comic book. Small screen has been giving us a lot of amazing television when it comes to comic properties. Obviously, we've talked about Daredevil, The Arrow, Flash, um, even iZombie. iZombie started off a little slow. I wasn't really digging it. But now I, you know, I enjoy it. I, I enjoy some of the some of the references that are there. I mean, Flash and Arrow definitely are, you know, in my in my in my top five of favorite shows. Uh, Daredevil's up there. Shield comes and goes depending on the episode I see. And um, I will say, Gotham Gotham has been surprising me as of late. Again, it's a lot of you know police procedural. So if you enjoy stuff like Law and Order and things like that, then Gotham might resonate a little bit more with you. I know a lot of people that are more, you know, into the into Arrow and the Flash, and they've watched Gotham, and they say to me that they just don't like, they don't like the pacing, they don't like the, you know, the, the procedural atmosphere that they use in Gotham, which, again, you, it's not going to be for everybody, but there are things in Gotham that I really like and are really well done. I think that they've done an amazing job fleshing out, our, you know, Alfred, um, just giving us a, a bit more than just him being, you know, Bruce Wayne's, you know, Bruce Wayne being the the kid that he's stuck raising. Um, a lot of really good stuff there. Also, I think that the the actor that plays Bruce Wayne, for for the limited amount of time that he's on screen, and sometimes I say that Gotham should just be called Jim Gordon has a bad day. For for the instances where he is on screen, he is growing into um, somebody who's who's actually embracing the Bruce Wayne character. And I say that because in the early episodes, he was just, you know, the scared kid who lost his parents. And there was, there was some plot development there just trying to set the stage, but you're starting to see a lot of the stuff that helped make Batman who he is being acknowledged by the young Bruce Wayne, you know, just the detective skills, certain, you know, his views on killing a lot of the stuff is being shaped in that series. And again, I'm sure that Gotham isn't going to run all the way to a, to, to a point where Bruce Wayne reaches adulthood and becomes Batman, but I do feel that there are a lot of, of subtle things that have been done in the series that are remarkably well done. Again, not a series that everyone's going to like because they're going to feel that it's way too you know police procedural. Some people are going to like that, some people aren't. I mean, even Powers, which you can watch on the PlayStation Network, Again, very, very close to the book in some respects, but it's not something that a lot of people are going to like because, again, people either want to see superheroes or they want to see something close to the superheroes they know. 
that's something that, you know, Gotham, even S.H.I.E.L.D., to a degree, not everybody digs Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because they feel that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is essentially let's name drop everybody who's on the in the big screen movies and never use them in the TV shows. And again, a case can be made that that should be something that Marvel should try to work on. And I agree to a point. I think that, you know, acknowledging the Inhumans and setting that up, that's good. But there's so many other characters in the Marvel Universe that I think could be utilized in a show like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I mean, when they started exploring Deathlock and doing stuff like that, I really thought that that was one of the better things that they did. I was like, wow, that's really cool. And Absorbing Man showing up and Lady Sif and things like that. I felt that they were they were good because they helped the, the show go just beyond, oh, we're going to solve quote-unquote superhero shit without really using any superheroes or supervillains. But... They've done a good job with it, and I think that the series itself turned the corner after um, Captain America Winter Soldier, and now with with Age of Ultron pretty much on the horizon within another week, they're they're starting to kind of go into that category as well. Now, to kind of circle back a little bit to um, the Preacher book, uh, the Preacher book was a series that ran from 1995 to 2000. Uh, The character... Um, of Preacher is going to be portrayed by Dominic Cooper, who many of you know as playing Howard Stark in um, Agent Carter. So he's going to actually be playing uh, Preacher in the series, and um, I think it's a good fit, and Seth Rogen is really involved, he's really committed, and above all, Preacher is heading to a network that does a very good job with properties like this, that being AMC. We already know that AMC has been killing it with The Walking Dead, and I have a nagging suspicion that they're going to do a really good job with Preacher as well. As of right now, Preacher should be shooting within the next couple of weeks with a debut in 2016. So be on the lookout for that if you're a Preacher fan. On the other side of the spectrum, on the Marvel side, a returning character is heading back to the big screen, and that is the character of Havoc. Those of you that know Havoc's character actually appeared briefly in Days of Future Past and was seen uh, prominently in X-Men First Class. While Havoc is returning and he's going to be in X-Men Apocalypse, of course, being portrayed by Lucas Till, who portrayed him in uh, First Class. But the cool thing about this, and not too many people have talked about it, is that this is going to be one of the, the first times on film that Havoc and Cyclops have been together in a large capacity. Now, obviously, they've touched on it on and off in, in, in all the other films and in subtle ways, but this is going to be the first time that, you know, Scott and Alex Summers are on screen at the same time. And given the, the involvement with Apocalypse, I'm sure that that's not something that wasn't done with a bigger, th- with a bigger theme in mind. And I think that when you look at that, and it's something that I feel wasn't really touched on enough in the books until I want to say maybe five or six years ago, just the relationship between, um, you know, Cyclops and, and Havoc, they don't really explore that relationship a lot in the books. And they should, I mean, other than, you know, their relationship with the star jammers and the, the leader of the star jammers being their father and all that, there's not much that they do with them, but it's something that for me, I think on the big screen should be explored. Lucha Lee asks, are you going to talk about the Valiant Sony deal? Yes, yes, I am. I definitely am going to talk about that quite a bit. So uh, definitely stay tuned for that. But 
again, I'm glad to, um, I'm happy to see Lucas Till heading back. So Havoc will be appearing alongside Cyclops, who is going to be played by Ty Sheridan. Also, obviously returning James McAvoy, Michael Fassbender, Jennifer Lawrence, Nicholas Holt, Rose Byrne, uh, joining them, Alexandra Ship, Olivia Munn, who's playing Psylocke, Sophie Turner, who's playing young Jean Grey, um, Evan Peters, of course, who's coming back as Quicksilver, and Oscar Isaac, who's going to be playing Apocalypse. And, um, you know, I'm really excited. I'm, I think, you know, Age of Apocalypse is shaping up to be a, um, well, Apocalypse, not Age of Apocalypse, depending on, on, on which, uh, which article you read. Some people are calling it just Age of Apocalypse. Others are just calling it X-Men Apocalypse. But either way, I'm actually looking forward to seeing what Apocalypse is going to look like on the big screen. And I've talked about this in previous episodes that there's a fear in bringing certain you know certain characters to the big screen just because there there's a concern that they can't do their comic book counterparts justice. I talked about this when we posted the trailer for the new Fantastic 4 film which actually gave us a glimpse of Doctor Doom or just Doom in this instance and um I didn't like the design. I didn't. And you know, I touched on it briefly in my write up and somebody uh sent me a message and they were like, "Listen, um you know, why, why, why can't they bring this character to life the way that he looks in the books? And it made me think, and I thought about it. I'm like, damn, it's true. If you can have Iron Man look as badass as he looks, how hard is it to bring Dr. Doom to the big screen? I'm, I'm serious. I'm not even, it's not even a, you know, something I, I can't, it, it's not a rhetorical question. It's why can't it be done? Think about it. Iron Man. On the big screen, works. Hulkbuster armor, works. Ultron, works. And the obvious choice, Slick says, different company, different vision. That, I'm, I'm not even talking about companies and visions. Not even talking about that. I understand that perfectly. I'm talking about the fact that just bringing the character the way he looks to life is not difficult. Like, it's harder to do a character like The Thing versus doing a character like Doctor Doom. The closest we got was the second Fantastic Four film, and even that, eh, sketchy at best. I'm serious. I mean, if the Arrow can bring, if, if Green Arrow or, or Arrow on the CW can do a, a decent job with the Atom, why can't they just do the same thing with Doctor Doom? Seriously, how hard is it? Hey, this guy, he got a scarred face throws on this mask and this armor because the armor gives him powers. He does dark magic, etc., etc. It's it's not hard. And that's what that's what that's what annoys me. You know, like think about it. Apocalypse is coming to the big screen. Now, Apocalypse can be very fucked up too. You can ruin that design like this. But everybody said that they're leaning pretty much leaning towards transferring the design from the books right to the big screen. And, you know, if they could do the Sentinels and they can do Mystique and they can do all this other shit and they're going to take this huge gamble with Apocalypse, why can't they do the same with Doctor Doom? Why Why is it that difficult? Now, obviously, in the new Fantastic Four, people are saying that they're using, obviously, Ultimate Doctor Doom. Okay, that's fine. But still, Doctor Doom has one of the most iconic designs Everyone knows who Dr. Doom is. You see that metal mask and that green hood, 
you know who it is. Well, unless you're you're dealing with Doctor Doom 2099, who had a different color hood, but still, Doctor Doom's character, his look is iconic. It's one of the things when X Men when X Men went the first class route, and Magneto got his helmet, and I'm not talking about the bullshit helmet that Ian McKellen wore, but I'm talking about the real helmet that Michael Fassbender put on in in you know X Men First Class and Days of Future Past. You were like, oh shit, that looks badass, and that's you know that's one of those things that it's it's subtle, it's small, but it makes a huge difference, and people don't catch that shit. People don't catch that shit. And they should, because it's little subtleties like that that really just speak volumes about, you know, a company's attention to detail. It's it's that simple. You know, a company's attention to detail, especially if you watch some of the TV shows, there's some, there are a lot of great blink-and-you-missed-it moments. I don't understand why that can't be done on the big screen. And with a character like Doctor Doom especially, it's not like Galactus. When Galactus appeared in the second Fantastic Four, it's like, oh, this guy looks like a giant cloud and all this bullshit. And listen, you didn't want to go with the big guy with the purple suit because you thought it was going to look stupid. Making the guy look like a fucking dust cloud didn't do anybody any favors either. Let's not kid ourselves. I'm just saying. Dark Helmet writes, nobody remembers the 2099 characters. I do. Hell, Spider-Man 2099 was was a big part of the Spider-Verse books. And one of my favorite 2099 characters, Spider-Man 2099, Doom 2099, and I think I still have Punisher 2099 number one somewhere in a comic book box. I'm going to see if I find it, and if I do, I'll share it on either Instagram or on our Facebook fan page just for a few laughs. But again, good to see Havoc joining the rest of the X-Men for X-Men Apocalypse, which is hitting theaters May 27th, 2016. So, on the box office side of things, Fast and Furious continues to kill it at the box office, $29.1 million, bringing its total to $294.4 million. But that's not the only number that matters here. Excuse me. Fast and Furious has been ultra successful even if people shit on the films you're not gonna believe this fast and furious furious 7 broke 1 billion dollars worldwide as of last thursday 1 billion dollars it is now the fastest film to ever hit that mark The original records belong to Avengers, Avatar, Harry Potter, and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. But now the fastest film, Fast and Furious, reaches the $1 billion mark in record time. And obviously a lot can be attributed to Paul Walker's passing. But let's not kid ourselves. The movies make money. So it shouldn't come as a shock to anyone that Fast and Furious 8 is going to happen. Like like Vin Diesel said in an interview, Fast 8 is fate. It can be done. The studio itself said that they felt that they could do three more films. And with all the characters that have been introduced and all the different plots that have kind of been built over the last couple of films, this is not a surprise. 
But the real surprise is a series that basically started out as glorified car porn has reinvented itself with each incarnation to the point that seven you know, six sequels later, the film continues to churn out record-breaking volume. And the reason I say this is because not the most, not the most cinematically beautiful series, not a series that's rich in plot, but a series that actually makes people enjoy what they're watching is, is, is half the battle. And yes, like I said, Fast and Furious, not for everybody. I know plenty of people that do not like the series. And again, I don't try to sway their opinion, but in terms of mindless action that you could just sit there and immerse yourself for 90 minutes, maybe two hours, Fast and Furious does a pretty fucking good job. And $1 billion box office haul in record time validates that. Of course, they're, they're sitting pretty right now in the number one slot, but I guarantee you on May 1st, that will change. And we'll get into why that is, aside obviously from the Avengers being released here in the States, but there's bigger reasons than that that we will get into. Anyway, Fast and Furious 7 was number one. Paul Blart, Mall Cop number part two, came in at number two. I don't know who went to see that, but God help you. Um, Unfriended came in at number three. Home was number four. The Longest Ride was number five. Get Hard was six. Monkey Kingdom was seven. The Women in Gold was eight. Insurgent was nine. And Cinderella was ten. So there you have it, guys, a pretty solid box office haul uh, for Furious 7, which will surely come to an end on May 1st. All right, so the next bit of movie news, it depends on, on which school of, of, of uh, on which camp you're in. I know that for our very own Slick, he's going to pretty much uh, be annoyed by this next bit of news, but Hasbro has revealed that a new Transformers film is heading to the big screen in 2017. Okay, great. No no biggie, right? Well, it looks like they're actually going to create a cinematic universe for Transformers, like full. Like, everybody wants to be Marvel and DC with the whole cinematic universe. Well, it looks like Transformers is going to be the next. Um, they're going to start with the next sequel in 2017. Um... Brian Goldsman, the CEO of Hasbro, said that he will be working with the writing team alongside Michael Bay, Steven Spielberg, and Lorenzo de Bonaventura to provide oversight on the franchise. But yes, Transformers is getting its own cinematic universe. Aside from the films that we have, we're going to be expanding into other characters and other stories. It's funny because Lucha Lee says they should do Transformers versus G.I. Joe. And you know what's funny about that? I would love I would love to see that because I've always felt that the comic books were the comic books were always really well done and the fact that they went to such interesting lengths to bring the two universes together was really really cool. Obviously that would involve a lot of moving parts to get it to to work on the big screen, but still, you know, it is it's something that I wouldn't mind seeing. Isaiah says Transformers is my Fast and Furious. Oh my god, such a such a perfect analogy. What Isaiah just said is exactly how I feel. The Transformers movies are not great. 
They're not. If you are a Transformers fan or you grew up watching some semblance of the series, you know without a shadow of a doubt that they are not great at all. But they are enjoyable. The effects are crazy. Sometimes they get a little too stupid. Devastator with nuts. We're looking at you. But overall, they are mindless and they acknowledge something from our childhood. Is it is it picture perfect? Is it concrete? I've said this before. No. But I've also said that Transformers exists in a separate universe. There's no sense in me personally comparing it to the animated series. Because obviously if I do that, I'm going to hate every part of it. You know? Like, Grimlock in the last one in Age of Extinction. Sure, he looked really fucking cool. Was he used correctly? No. Optimus Prime riding him like a pony? No. (laughs) Not cool. But just seeing something like that from my childhood on the big screen was just cool enough. Like, I'm like, wow, that's kind of badass. And that's just, you know, from a creativity standpoint. You know, like, like there's, there's a lot of stuff that, again, is wrong with all those movies. But... (laughs) but like i said i don't you know i don't feel the necessity to try and say that i hate them because they don't match the shows we we know that that's the case Uh, we knew that as soon as we saw the first film but here's the thing that that i really want to address everybody wants to be have a cinematic universe remember when we used to joke about that everybody wants to make their movies dark like the Dark Knight series, now everybody wants a cinematic universe. Everybody wants to have some big, intertwined universe that everybody needs to follow. And I'm sorry to say, but you don't need a cinematic universe for everything. It's not necessary. Some stuff can stand on its own. And it's just, it's just something called sequels. You don't need this whole big cinematic universe where we're going to tie everything together and all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is great. The only company that has mastered the, the, the synergy between small screen and big screen thus far, and even that has its, it, its disconnects, is Marvel. That's it. DC and Warner Brothers don't even want to touch the shit on TV. They'll make the stuff on TV intertwine within itself. But in terms of having it intertwined with the movies, nope, not doing it. And, um, you know, some people will complain. It frustrates me, don't get me wrong, especially because so much of the stuff done on TV is really good that the characters can't make their way to the big screen. Like, look at, look at the Green Arrow. He is, he, is a, he is a character that is essential, that is, a, that is a part of the Justice League. And the fact that, you know, the guy that does such a great job with him can't even play the character on the big screen is sad grant gustin does a good job as the flash on 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 the flash tv series yet he can't even play the character on the big screen even if you don't want to tie it into the tv series at least use the same fucking actors the guys have done such a good job bringing these characters to life that's the least you could do i mean i understand you want big names like i understand them not using Deadshot anymore in Arrow because Will Smith is playing him in Suicide Squad. But there's no reason why you should cast somebody else as Deathstroke in Suicide Squad when Manu Bennett did an amazing job in the Arrow TV series. 
It's that's the kind of stuff that annoys me. You don't want to tie it together. Fine. But at least use the actors that people recognize as those characters. Yes, they're not as big as Ben Affleck or Henry Cavill or Gal Gadot or Will Smith or, you know, any of these other actors. But they give the characters life. They make the characters unique and special and iconic and people remember them. And that's what bothers me the most. Not so much oh, we want to do a cinematic universe, we don't want to do it. It's just the fact that you can't even acknowledge that these guys that are doing the TV shows are doing a lot of great stuff. It's sad, but it's true. Anyway, moving along, um, last week I did say that there was a Full House TV series heading to Netflix. It wasn't confirmed. Well, now it is. It is officially confirmed. John Stamos announced it on Jimmy Kimmel Live that Full House is getting a 13-episode spinoff debuting on Netflix next year. So if you're a fan of Full House, be on the lookout because it looks like all the cast are going to show up in some capacity on the show. The show is going to follow DJ Tanner and her three kids, Stephanie Tanner and Kimmy Gibbler. Uh, John Stamos is going to produce the show and will make guest appearances as will uh, Bob Saget, Dave Coulier, and Laurie Laughlin as well. So there you have it. Um, looks like we're going to get a new Full House series next year on Netflix with a 13-episode run. Another show, well, let me rephrase that, a TV, a movie that I swore I was going to hate that I actually thoroughly enjoyed is getting a TV series. Now, but before I get into it, I see that Slick is saying it is a recipe for fail. Why are you writing it off if it's the entire cast and it's on fucking Netflix? Like, at least let the shit come on Netflix before you shit on it completely. There's nothing wrong with it. I mean, if, if Girl Meets World is making making a decent, ra- you know, on regular television is doing decent ratings, then at least give the shit a shot. See, uh, uh, Slick's response is because Full House fucking sucks. Okay, but I'm sure that the all the years that that shit was on television kind of validated that most people didn't think it sucked i understand that you don't give a shit about it but there's no oh it's it, it's it's a recipe for fail why <laughs> like john stamos is producing the shit the entire cast is on board and it's on netflix <laughs> yeah i know i know it's personal opinion dude and i respect that but Personal opinion and not even giving this shit a shot, dude, if, if, if you have Netflix and you don't watch it, fine. But if you don't even have Netflix to watch the shit, then let the shit live. Like, I watched Full House when I was growing up. Did I think it was great? No. I enjoyed Different Strokes, Step by Step, Family Matters. I actually like Family Matters more than Full House. But, again, that's me. Somebody could turn around. <laughs> yeah, because Vince Vaughn is a shit actor. Vince Vaughn, well, let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that. Slick says, you shit on Vince Vaughn for every movie that he makes before they come out. Yes, because every movie that they make that he is involved in is shit. It makes no money, and he plays the same fucking guy. Again, and these are all unestablished properties. I will say this, Vince Vaughn is in season two of True Detective. I definitely know for a fact that he is not playing the same guy on True Detective. And no, it's not the same thing. It's not. Because Full House is an established property. It's fully established. 
Vince Vaughn does movies where he plays a guy that jerked off into a cup and they sold his sperm to for artificial insemination and he has a whole bunch of kids that he never knew about and then he goes on a mission to find them. Why is that a plot? Why is that even a fucking movie? <laughs> a lot of people like that movie. Who? The 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 amount of people that helped that movie not even make back what it cost to make the film? Come on, dude. It's apples and oranges at that point. I'm not dis- I'm not dismissing your opinion. Not by a long shot. Not dismissing it. You're entitled to your own opinion. But it's like, it's a property that's already established. Like, if you don't watch Full House and you think it sucked, that's great. But, oh, the series is going to suck. It's impossible. It's impossible to even gauge it without even giving it at least one episode. Hell, everybody's like, oh, you know. Yeah. Jesus Christ. You know what I, this is what happens. Are you there? Nothing I hate more than arguing with goddamn text. Nothing I hate more. Nothing. Listen, you're over here putting out this argument. You got mad at the keyboard warrior? Of course, especially the fact that the keyboard warrior is a guy that fucking works with me. But that's besides the point. The fact is, you, you, you cited Vince Vaughn. Dude, Vince Vaughn is probably a great actor. I liked him in in everything that he did before Wedding Crashers. Why? Because from Wedding Crashers on, he played the same dry, dead, same guy. Even old school. He was good in old school because it was our introduction to him playing that same drab-ass, one-dimensional fucking guy. But dude, the movies he does are shit. Adam Sandler picks shit movies. Shit. Like, I don't know who their agents are. That are like, hey, you know, it's a good idea that uh, you play the son of Satan and your name is Little Nicky and it's going to make a fuckload of money, really. It is? On what planet? Again. Okay, you want a reason why Slough is a recipe for failure? Please, please indulge me. What? Please. What? What? What put Full House over? What made Full House freaking sell to everybody? What made everybody love that show? White people. <laughs> No, two specific white people. The Olsen twins? Who were very cute and now are freaking ridiculous drunken bitches. Okay, but let me, let, me, let me put this in a different light. The Full House series, yes, made Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen household names. But people liked all the other people involved. Dude, Bob Saget is an amazing comedian. And the fact that people don't understand that Danny Tanner has no problem saying shit, fuck, cunt, motherfucker on the regular still drives people crazy. Still. You know? I'm still stuck on the the horrible, horrible words that came out of your mouth that say Bob Saget is an amazing comedian. He is. Why? Why? Why can't he not be? Because everybody assumes that he's Danny Tanner, that he's Mr. Fucking Rogers. Again, he's an amazing comedian to me. You don't got to like the fucking guy. The guy who hates comedies. I, hey, I, but again, an assumption that you continue to try to perpetrate. I don't hate comedy. I just hate <laughs> certain bullshit ass movies. Now, before before we get into this a little deeper, Isaiah asked, let me ask you, Rich, did you like Chris Farley? Did I like Chris Farley? I like Chris Farley. Chris Farley. <laughs> I like Chris Farley in Saturday Night Live. 
I like Chris Farley in Tommy Boy. Did I like Chris Farley in Beverly Hills Ninja? No, the fuck I didn't. You know, every comedian has their fair share of fucking duds. Like, look at John Candy. John Candy was an amazing comedian. Amazing. But he had his fair share of fucking duds. I still like Who's Harry Crumb, even though people say it's a festering pile of shit. Love that movie. Yeah, but see, the kind of duds that you might say that John Candy made are cult classics. You could say, yes, you could say Who's Harry Crumb is a dud. You could say Uncle Buck is a dud. No, nah, I like those movies. Both of us love those movies. Absolutely. People could still say it's a dud, though. Oh, yeah, you could say it's a dud. I mean, like I said, you're entitled to your opinion that Full House is shit. But, dude, it had a great run. Everybody that's on that series is still getting fucking paid. And besides the fact that everybody that was in the series is still involved in the new one. And it's on fucking Netflix. Dude, if the shit sucks, nobody watches it. You get what I'm saying? It's 13 episodes. You watch it or you don't. If it sucks, Netflix goes, nice for knowing you. (laughs) You know, nice knowing you. See you later, bye. Versus on, on broadcast television where they try to drag the shit out sometimes because nowadays you know that TV series don't even get sometimes even 10 episodes before the, the network goes, yo, I'm pulling the plug. And you, you can attest to that because how many times have you said, yo, I like that show. It sucks that they're already canceling the shit. Yeah, but they actually cancel shows that are decent. Yeah. Back then they generally would let shows run. They would, but that's because the rating scale back then wasn't as aggressive as it was now. Dude, the TGIF block, which which Dark Helmet mentioned, that, dude, that was Family Matters, Step by Step. What the hell was that other shit they gave it in Boy Meets World? Dude, Step by Step was bullshit. At least, anybody, at least I felt that way. You know how many people who say, yo, man, that show was great. Suzanne Summers was bad as shit. Okay, great. Doesn't mean that I like the show. I don't give a fuck if Chrissy Snow was on it. (laughs) Dude, I love Three's Company. You know how many people go, really, you like that shit? I grew up watching that every afternoon at 5 o'clock. Hell, that that made me ask my mother, hey, what does Mr. Furley mean about Jack being, you know, and, 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 you know, doing the Tinkerbell motion? And my mother had to explain it to me. Because you remember, that was one of the few shows where they stayed clowning him because he was gay. Allegedly. And that was a running gag. Perfect Strangers. Yeah, let's be Let's be I mean, honest. Perfect Strangers, dude, we, was without a doubt super offensive. <laughs> yeah. But not for everybody. Some people are like, yo, that show was no. the truth. Dude, I know people Even straight people up. Even people that like the show would say it's offensive because it was offensive. Uh, absolutely. It was definitely offensive to foreigners. Dude, people, people that I know, like, here's a show that almost... I, at least when I was growing up, I thought was universally loved by everyone. And that was the Wonder Years. Because the Wonder Years had mature stories, good stories, and amazing and an amazing narrative. But there were people like, yo, I hated that fucking show. Only, only hot thing about that show was Winnie Cooper, and that was it. Fuck that big-nosed guy with the glasses who hung around with Kevin Arnold. <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> but you understand what you I'm saying? Alan Manson? I'm just kidding. <laughs> More or less. You know, I, I, again, dude, I'm not dismissing your opinion, but, like, everybody's committed to the shit. <laughs> you know, like, at least I, I want to let the shit rock before... It, it, dude, it could come on air and it could suck. I'll acknowledge that first. I'll be like, yo, th- these motherfuckers age terribly. You know, why does Stephanie Tanner have the and meth I'm calling it now that it will suck. How about that? All right. 
Are you are are you? Do you have Netflix to watch it though? Even if I did, I wouldn't watch it because you hated the series as a whole, right? There you go. Okay, and that's and that's fine. But y- your your bias for the series doesn't it, you know? There's no weight like yo. It's gonna it's gonna suck. Let let the shit play out, and then you, dude, I guarantee you, if it sucks, I'll say yo, slick, you were right. The shit sucked. Comparing that shit to Vince Vaughn and his shitty agent who tells him that playing a fucking guy who jerked off in a cup and, and has 1,700 kids out there is going to make a good movie, not the same. <laughs> not. Look at Grumpy Cat, dude. It sucks before it comes out. Yeah, yeah because the plot is stupid. <laughs> Who's the, dude, and let's what's be... what's the plot of Full House now? It's following the daughters and their fucking kids, thus Fuller House. <laughs> Isaiah says Slick likes in living color, not Full House. <laughs> that's true that's actually true that is true but, but I like living... all in the family oh d- dude but all in the and family America's America's <laughs> one giant vagina right now because all in the family would not would nope. not make it past a pilot episode today dude all in the family the fucking Jeffersons George Jefferson would call a guy a honky on national television <laughs> a honky <laughs> You just got called a honky on on national TV at 8 o'clock on a Saturday. (laughs) And millions of kids would be like, Mama, what does honky mean? (laughs) Again, going back to what I said before, dude, there was worse shit growing up. That's why it's like you're you're biased or your hatred for, for Full House. You didn't like the show. So I would expect that you go, yo, fuck that show. But I can't in good faith say, yo, the shit's going to suck because I watched the shit. I'm like, yo, was it great? Absolutely not. The plots were the same every week. The Olsen twins would smile at the camera. The three guys would get themselves into a jam. And John Stamos would never age because he bathes in Oiko's Greek yogurt. But even at that time, there were better shows on. Uh, You had the Cosby show. You had freaking Mama's Family. You had freaking Night Court. Oh, Night Court. He shows shit on Full House. Oh, yeah, they do. But you also got to remember that dy- the demographic for those shows were the people that are our age now. Like, we got into those shows because we were also fucking more mentally capable of, of, of absorbing the jokes. That's why they're putting the shit on Netflix. They're not putting the shit on Netflix for, you know, my nephew to watch the shit. They're putting that shit on Netflix for motherfuckers like me to watch the shit. Like, that's why, like, when they did Girl Meets World, I'm like, really? You guys are putting that on TV? I mean, don't get me wrong. Boy Meets World wasn't exactly fucking setting the network on fire. But they had Topanga. <laughs> that worked. <laughs> Dude, I'd rather watch a, a, a what, like, basically a What's Happening Now version of Saved by the Bell than watch Full House. And that's fine. But you also liked Saved by the Bell, didn't you? Not really. So, so... I watched a few episodes, and it was not on my radar of favorites. Oh, it wasn't on mine either. Dude, I wasn't. Let, let me tell you. I liked Saved by the Bell when there was nothing on Saturday afternoons when they used to give it on Channel 4. That was it. When I was bored and the shit would play in the background when I was a kid. Am yeah, I right? after all the cartoons went off. Yep. And I would then go outside. Yeah, I mean, but the, there, there were instances where I was too much of a pain in the ass, and I wasn't going anywhere. So, <laughs> saved by the bell it is. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not. 
ladies and gentlemen, which was on punishment. Absolutely. I acknowledge that. But what I'm saying is there's again, I'm dude, I'm not trying to even sell you on the shit. Me personally, I'm just saying that, yeah, it's easy for me to come on here and be a negative motherfucker because it comes naturally. I bleed negativity. I shit it out on a daily basis. But, <laughs> but you know, I'm also, I'm also as I'm getting older, willing to give shit a shot. L- like Vince Vaughn. Like I said, I think he's a good actor when his agent doesn't tell him to do these shitbag movies. Dude, he's in True Detective. True Detective was an amazing series on HBO. Amazing. And the fact that he's sharing the screen with Colin Farrell, Rachel McAdams, I'm like, really? Vince Vaughn? Is this the same Vince Vaughn I know? <laughs> same guy? And I'm like, fuck, I guess it is. <laughs> you know, it's 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 weird, you know, but he, he, he may kill it. Who knows? He may go on that series and play the same fucking guy too. And I'm like, yo, go fuck yourself. You're just a terrible person at that point. Because it, and you know what happens, dude? That happens with a lot of these guys that we've we grew up watching. Eddie Murphy. How much shit has Eddie Murphy put out? How much garbage has he put out? All I gotta say is, Dave, it's Eddie Murphy in Eddie Murphy. Yeah, but at the same time, dude, Pluto Nash. If Eddie Murphy said he's gonna do a a standing room only at freaking Madison Square Garden. I guarantee you that shit would, would sell out. Absolutely, but that's because it's Eddie Murphy doing what he does best. And again, it's not his agent saying, you know what, Eddie, we're going to do Pluto Nash. That's going to be your next movie. No, that's him going, yo, motherfucker, I'm going on a stage, and I'm going to do Buckwheat, and motherfuckers are going to laugh. That's all it is. It's different. And again, that goes back to shitty agents. Here's a, here's a good example, and... If you've heard this, you know, say so. You you know Josh Hartnett, the actor, right? Yeah. What mo- what do you know him from? Just casually off the cuff. Not much, dude. Exactly. I mean, Black Hawk Down, that's about it. Okay. Well, let I thought me t- he freaking stopped making movies. Well, let me tell you what happened to, to Josh Hartnett. His agent said, oh, you know, we want you for, the, you know, Christopher Nolan wants you to play batman gee i wonder for what series this is and he said nah i don't want to do it because i don't feel like being typecast as a superhero okay christopher nolan then went about every actor who's ever said that has has come to regret it well let me it gets better He, he after he did that he said you know christopher nolan did the prestige which of course christian bale was in with josh hartnett's then girlfriend Scarlett Johansson. Oh, gee, where was Josh Hartnett at home eating Cheetos, not doing the prestige and not being Batman? Oh, we want you to be Superman. Nah, I don't want to be typecast as a superhero. Well, that was a safer bet because poor Brandon Ralph got fucked with that movie. But still, <laughs> hey, we want you to be spy. They- hey, we want you to be Spider-Man. What do you think? Nah, not my cup of tea. Okay. Gee, what's Tobey Maguire doing after Spider-Man? Jack and shit. Seabiscuit. <laughs> Being an extra hobbit. I don't know. But you, what I'm saying is that all of these characters and all these actors, dude, they sometimes fuck themselves because they want to be extra with the shit. Like, we were talking about this, me and, and, and a good friend of mine, 
about like Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr., if he said, yo, I'm not going to be Tony Stark anymore. I'm not going to do Iron Man. You know how hard it would be to find a guy to replicate that? Not to say that there aren't actors that can't do it, but there's guys out there that just make a role iconic for them. Think about that shit. Tony Stark doesn't got to go and get jacked for six months like Chris Evans or or Chris Hemsworth got to do. He just got to he just got to stay lean. Then he says, oh, I'm just going to put on this CGI armor and jump around and fuck shit up. I'm going to be Iron Man till I'm 80. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm serious, though. And that's what happens. Like Chris Evans. Originally, he was like, yeah, I think I'm only going to do one or two more Captain America movies. Not with your fucking bankroll. Now he's doing interviews where he's like, I could probably do one or two more. Of course you can. Of course you can. But but this is what I'm saying. Exactly. But what I'm saying is that like Vince Vaughn, um, Adam Sandler, who else can I talk about? Eddie Murphy. uh, Who's another guy that was just great. And then he just started doing shit. Give me one guy who I'm missing. (laughs) I can't even think of anybody off the top of my head. Mike Epps. I, I don't could Mike Epps. I could use guys that, you know, they did some movies and it's like, oh, these guys are great. Now they've been replaced by Kevin Hart, Kevin Hart, Will Farrell, Kevin Hart again. Just an army of Kevin Hart's. You know? That that's how it goes, dude. And that's why it's like when when I say I hate Vince Vaughn, I hate Vince Vaughn because the fucking guy who's helping him manage his career is fucking him. <laughs> you know, you know, if, if I were Adam Sandler, I'd punch my agent in the face. Cause every <laughs> dude, you like, like he has like, like at least five or six movies that are just tanked dude, that made no money. And you know, what's funny. The lady from Sony actually acknowledged that. Remember when all those Sony emails got leaked out and they were like, Oh, yeah. we gotta do, we gotta do another Adam Sandler project. Like that motherfucker's like, Hey, we're going to do a movie about a dancing pile of shit. Hey, that's great, Adam. What do you need? Let's get it financed. What? <laughs> Serious. I mean, he was in Grown Ups 1 and 2. That shit made dough. Dude, Grown Ups 1 and 2 made dough because it wasn't fucking typical Adam Sandler garbage. And he had a good cast that kept him fucking honest. Excluding Kevin James, because I'm yeah, sorry. You, I remember you said you, to both you said, fuck those movies. Yeah, I said, fuck those movies because... Dude, I, they weren't my cup of tea. They weren't. I mean, people always tell me, oh, they were good. They were all right. I mean, I, I've played them on cable. Like, they've played in the background. But did I want to go and give thirteen twenty five to go see the shit in the box? No, fuck them. Fuck them with a dry dildo. Give a shit. But again, opinion. I ain't trying to sway nobody. If you told me, yo, I saw those movies. They were awesome. I'd be like, Slick, you the fucking man. You sat through that shit. I couldn't. Thought it was shit. Yeah, you sat through the Fast and Furious movies. I couldn't. Exactly. But I tell you what, though, a billion dollars in less in fucking record time can't even can't even fucking shit on that if I wanted to. Aside from yeah, aside from you well, you could from the sense of yo, I don't like him. Vin Diesel looks like a dick with ears. You know. I got really no issue with Vin Diesel. I don't even have any issue with any of the people in the movie. No, but I'm just saying, like. Like the concept the, of the film to me. Right. The, the concept's not for you. But that's like anything else. I could say Slick hates car movies. Slick hates car porn. 
Slick hates shit getting stolen. That would be incorrect because <laughs> to say I hate car movies would be to say I hate Cannonball Run, the Blues Brothers, and right. movies like that, which I love. Right. But that's like those but, are good but, car movies. But motherfucker, that's like you saying I hate comedy. <laughs> <laughs> because every time a comedy comes out, you're like, "Fuck that movie," because it's not the right comedy for me, dude. Not to say that it's it's not a good comedy. It's just not my kind of comedy. <laughs> That's all it is, dude. I don't want to touch that with a ten foot pole. It's my comedy. That's it. Like, <laughs> like Dark Helmet says, Spaceballs, Great Outdoors, and Uncle Buck. You know, going back, kind of circling back to John Candy. Like Spaceballs, thought it was great. Loved Uncle Buck. Didn't enjoy the play, the great outdoors. Actually liked plane trains and planes, trains and automobiles. Even though Steve, you know Steve Martin is a giant pussy now. But dude, growing up, couldn't couldn't beat that. Three Amigos couldn't beat that. City Slickers, National Lampoon, Who's Harry Crumb? See, I, I got my fair share of comedy in there. <laughs> All old shit. You see the pattern here. All old yeah, shit. Yeah, this is when movies in general were better. Yeah, but you see the pattern here. All old shit. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, the, that's the pattern I'd like to direct everyone towards. All old shit. <laughs> very, very few new comedies grab me like that. Like, we were talking about uh, a couple of weeks ago, American Pie. American Pie was funny, but that was because... I hadn't seen Porky's since I was a kid. That shit had already been done. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like before somebody was dipping their nutsack in a pie, somebody was sticking a toy, a snake, a live snake through a, a toilet in a women's bathroom. And Miss Ballbricker was running out screaming with her pants down. Or sticking their dick into the shower. Yep. Done. You know, Porky's had that covered. And all those movies, Porky's, Ski School, um, summer school, uh, one crazy summer, which is one of my favorite movies. Um, just because Bobcat Goldthwait in the Godzilla costume stepping on a miniature city was always great. But anyway, I digress. The whole thing, aside from Full House, they're doing a TV series on Galaxy Quest, which before I even I even go any further, when I first saw what Galaxy Quest was gonna look like, I said this is gonna suck. <laughs> Why? Because I, I actually did too. I'll tell you why. I hated I Galaxy Quest. I hated Home Improvement, and I always wanted to throw Tim Allen into a fucking wood chipper. But <laughs> Galaxy Quest was funny as fuck, and Tim Allen actually swayed me with that movie. Like I'm like, oh, he's a pretty funny guy, dude. Hated Home Improvement again, and that was that block when they used to give that shit with like three other shows when we were growing up. Well, I mean, it showed he had range because Home Improvement was basically his original stand-up. Pretty much, which I hated. Hate Tim Allen, like I said. But Galaxy Quest, stomachable. And again, somebody can, can send me a tweet tomorrow. Yo, man, you didn't like Home Improvement? Fuck you, man. And I'd be like, nope, I didn't. Tim Allen's a pussy. <laughs> you know? I'm just wondering... Who, I mean, it can't be the the original cast of the movie because definitely not. I'm sorry, they they're just not gonna they're not gonna fit right now. Dude, Sigourney Weaver's Sigourney getting paid Weaver, with Avatar. They did a damn good job at making her look young and hot. And now I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Sigourney Weaver, but 
she's it's been quite a while since she was on the board with this promo. Well, you know what? You know what's funny about it too. It's like all those guys. You think Alan Rickman is gonna? Oh yeah, I'm gonna go back and play this fucking alien that I played in this obscure ass movie that I thought was what you know I did for a payday. <laughs> you know. Um. You say if the money's right, people can be made to do almost anything. This is true. I Especially totally, in Hollywood. I totally forgot that Rain Wilson in, was in that movie. I know Sam Rockwell was in it because I like Sam Rockwell. He He's a very, very underrated actor. Well, in any case, I did want to put that out there. I also did want to say, which I shared on RageWorks.net, that Daredevil is getting a second season. For those of you that are chomping at the bit, you're going to have to wait till 2016. Not shocked. Um... I'm trying to watch them gradually so I don't I don't fucking, you know, watch them all and then sit around going, "No, I got to wait till 2016 to watch Daredevil." Nah. Little by little. Why do they just throw the whole season out like that though? Because Netflix and this is this goes back to what I was saying with Full House, House of Cards, all these shows. They throw them out there, you either watch them at your pace or you binge watch them. But the numbers that they look at are is the binge watch because if they go, "Yo, people are eating up these series." Like like nothing, then of course they're going to put them up. Think about it. Orange is the New Black, uh, House of Cards, um, the the other one I was watching. What the fuck was it? Um, the horror shit. Fuck. Hemlock Grove. Again, you know, you either watch them at your own pace or you or you binge watch them. And Netflix watches that very carefully because they're like, yo, if people are eating up this entire series in a week, then yo, we could crank these out. And again, they're making the money off the subscriptions. I mean, don't get me wrong. People have pirated Daredevil on uh, Daredevil on torrents and shit, but you know, people are still signing up or keeping Netflix because, yo, Daredevil is good or House of Cards is good or whatever the case may be. True. But um, on the fl- on the flip side, and and you know, Lucha Lee asked about this. Valiant is actually getting into a deal with Sony. They announced a uh, five picture deal with Sony to develop the comics Bloodshot and Harbinger starting in 2017. The properties will get two films before a fifth film brings them together. The crossover will be the Harbinger Wars, which was based off a series from 2013. Um, I'm actually looking forward to this. I think Valiant is a very underrated comic book company. I think they have some really, really good books there. Uh, Magnus Robot Fighter was was one of the first Valiant books I read. Uh, Bloodshot was my second Exo Man of War, the list goes on. I mean, working in a comic book store at the time, I was like, wow, these guys are kind of killing it. So I'm curious to see what they do um, by bringing this universe to the big screen. Yeah, I was never really a Valiant uh, fan. It's like, I've read uh, several of their comics, and they just... They, they weren't for everybody. Grew, they never grew on me. Yep, they were not for everybody, but it's crazy that years later, all these all these companies and some of their properties... Like Two Guns. Two Guns is based off a comic from Boom Studios. Not too many people would have known that, but it is. Everybody liked it, but that's because, you know, Boom Studios did a really good job with the book. Same thing with, um, you know, some of these other more obscure movies that are based on comics. I actually had to tell somebody... But the thing I, is, like, it wasn't even the violence. It's just, I found the Valiant comics to be poorly written. Right, but that's just because you had a certain standard, and they weren't for everybody. I actually was exposed to them because I, when I was working in the comic book store at the time, you know, we really started getting an aggressive push 
every week, you know, every Tuesday and or Wednesday, the books would come in and I'd see these stacks and stacks and stacks of books. And I'm like, yo, who is buying this shit that's not Marvel or DC? And I remember one of our guys who had a regular folder, he's like, yo, have you ever read this? And I'm like, what is that? And it was Magnus Robot Fighter. And I'm like, I don't know, man, not my not my cup of tea. But then again, this is also a kid that at the time was reading Zen Intergalactic Ninja and Faust, amongst other things that I shouldn't have been reading. Um, but in any case, dude was like, yo, check it out. You'll like it. So I read through it. And the first book didn't grab me. But then by the third book, I was like, all right, this is starting to get kind of cool. But again, you know, the writing, the stories, the characters, they didn't they're not for everybody, especially when you're a constant Marvel and DC fan, because you're going to have certain things that you're always going to uh, correlate with other with other characters. Well, at the time, I was primarily an image fan and like the guy that I would get my comics from, like I could get the value of comics like for a quarter. Jeez, it yeah. was because he just had. Because he had so many of them left over. He was like, just just get rid of that shit. Yep. I remember those days. Valiant did reach a point where their comics just, they hit the bottom of the barrel. But you know what? There were also other comic uh, companies. Malibu. Do you remember Malibu Comics? They yeah. did They did that brief, that brief Mortal Kombat book. Um, you know, there were, they were a fair share of companies that were out there that, that just would pop up, put out a book, and then five or six months later, their comics would be a quarter. But the thing with Valiant was that I think they just put out so much stuff and they introduced so many characters that people didn't know what to do with them. I mean, it's the same thing, the same cycle that hurt Image. Because remember, Image started slow with the core characters, Spawn, Savage Dragon, Shadowhawk, Wildcats, you know. And then all of a sudden it was Youngblood, 17 different versions of Youngblood, <laughs> um all these other characters that just made no sense. And then what happened was people would be like, oh, that character's like this character. And that character's like this other character. And before you know it, image books were a quarter. Because Rob Liefeld is a turd. You, you know what? It's weird that so many people say that, but I don't hate on Rob Liefeld too much because without Rob Liefeld, we'd have no Deadpool. Got it. Got it. Got to give the devil his due. Rob Liefeld may have co-created Deadpool, but <laughs> it was really other writers who, who really made him, made him shine. Oh, yeah, of course. Other writers made him shine, but the character is the, just, the character is, you know, Rob Liefeld character. You know, it's no different than, than Venom really hitting his stride when, start, when Todd McFarlane started drawing him. <laughs> like, like, the Todd McFarlane's Venom design was one of the ones that was super iconic. Yeah, but nobody really walks around saying "fuck, fuck them." Tom McFarlane. Oh, there's <laughs> there are some people just because you know people that there are some people, of course, but not like the people who say "fuck Rob Liefeld." Oh, but but Rob Liefeld, it was also a personality thing. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, he's mellowed over the years, but dude, when he was younger, you got you got to remember, Image at that time was all upstarts, man, guys who. You know, they were just like, yo, fuck the establishment. We're going to start our own thing, make our own books. And all those dudes were just young and, and wild, and they were swimming in money. Because, dude, it was, it, think about it. The, the, Liefeld, Lee, and McFarlane killing it. And then, you know, Eric Larson with Savage Dragon. Just when Savage Dragon burst on the scene, the first thing everybody said was like, oh, it's the Hulk with a fin on his head. I mean, the books were more than that, but you remember how that shit was. 
Yeah, but every Image comic had did really did have roots in Marvel. Of course it did, dude. But but that's because that's where those guys came from. I mean, I'm always going to acknowledge that. Don't get me wrong, but I also felt that Image took a lot of risks and acknowledged a lot of different things that I was like, oh, okay. You know, like with Shadowhawk and with HIV and all that crazy shit. You know, it was like, wow, okay. It's kind of deep that the guy's like dying. <laughs> you know, I was like, fuck. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, how many how many freaking image comics were either Avengers or freaking X Men ripoffs? Oh, freaking Cyberforce was was a bunch of mutants. Cyberforce was so much was so X Men and X Force. It wasn't even funny. But the character no, Youngblood was X Force. Yeah, but Cyberforce too. Just Cyberforce to a degree. Just because like the the main guy looked like Cable a little bit. With the three arms, what the hell is his name? The the dude with the three arms on one side, fuck, you know who I'm talking about. I do, Striker. Yeah, the only guy out of out of out of Cyberforce I ever liked was Ripclaw. Always my favorite character. You mean Native American Wolverine? Native American. Yep, you know it, and that's why Native, <laughs> Native American Wolverine all day. No, Rip, Rip, Ripclaw was awesome, but I mean. Native yeah, Wolverine. dude, he was native. Dude, Native American Wolverine through and through, but the design and everything was was dope at the time. But that's when we were also buying comic books based on the fact that the cover art looked amazing. <laughs> I got a lot of duds in my boxes too, man. <laughs> Fair share of duds. At least with early, with early image comics, if the cover art was amazing, the inside art was usually pretty damn good too. Absolutely, but the stories were just like, oh my god, what what did I just read? Anyway. Nah, well, I mean, I I didn't buy all of the image comics. And oh, I got some crazy shit, dude. You're you're right about that. I mean, but the ones I bought, I, I usually did enjoy the story. Like I would buy the first issue, see if I liked it, and then I would get the run. Dude, I remember when I was buying Lady Death comic books, and I was I was you know a young dude, and people were like, are those any good? Why are you buying them? And I said, tits. tits. <laughs> you know? I, hey, hey, I was I young. Have to wait for you to finish that. Dude, I was young and Lady stupid. Lady Death was awful. Dude, but then, but then the books, like when they introduced Purgatory and they started tying in Evil Ernie and all this crazy shit, I was like, oh, this is getting crazy. And then we kind of just moved beyond tits, you know, because that's what it was. I mean, there were characters that were basically pissed that still had good writing. I mean, Lamparella wasn't bad. She was good. She was real good. Remember Dawn? No. <laughs> Dawn. Dude, look up, look up Dawn on Google and get back to me. Anyway, let me move through this before we go into some, some serious OT. Um, brand new Spider-Man casting update. They've narrowed it down to five actors. Uh, first guy, Asa, Asa, whatever, Butterfield, the guy from Ender's Game, uh, Timothy Chalamet from Interstellar, Tom Holland from Locke and the Impossible, Liam James from The Way and Way Back, and then Nat Wolf from The Fault in Our Stars and Paper Towns. Those are the on the short list for um, Pete, young Peter Parker, who will allegedly be making his debut in Captain America Civil War. So I looked at all those young dudes. They were all they all, all young kids. At the end of the day, if you could talk shit and you look pretty decent in the costume, everything else kind of comes together. Because look at Andrew Garfield. The guy is English. You know how crazy it was the first time I saw him do an interview? And I'm like, holy shit, this fucking guy is English? 
Could have fooled me. <laughs> Fuck. But he was good, you know? He grew into the role. He did a good job. And then before you know it, everybody's like, yo, man, this kid kills it as Spider-Man. But too late now. Poor guy. I feel bad. Marvel's just like, hey, we're going to use Spider-Man, but uh, you're fired. <laughs> uh, and the next guy who plays Spider-Man better fucking do a bang-up job because I really like Adam Garfield. I mean, I originally liked Tobey Maguire, but... You know, if, if I had to choose between the two of them, it'd be Adam Garfield all day. He did. He did a he did a great job, and he was just a really, really good modern Peter Parker. Really good. So again, I mean, if you want to compare stupid moments, I think anybody would pick "I'm Spider Man" over the dance scene. Ah. Uh... It depends, man. Like, you know what's weird? It's like, I always try to look at Spider-Man and Spider-Man 1 and 2, and I just try to sweep 3 under the rug and forget it was ever made. <laughs> just because there were so many things wrong with it. Emo Spider-Man, Ninja Goblin, uh, you know, Venom screeching like a Velociraptor from Jurassic Park. Uh, yeah, the list goes on and on and on. But, um... You know, if if I had to compare Spider-Man 1 and 2 and Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2, I do feel that Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man 2 with Dr. Octopus is the gold standard of Spider-Man movies. Because that movie was tremendous. Great story, amazing acting. Alfred Molina actually made Dr. Octopus more than just a chubby guy with a fucking harness. It was great. Dude, all I'm going to say is Emma Stone versus Kirsten Dunst. Kristen Dunst versus Bag of Shit. Moving on. <laughs> you don't like Emma Stone? No, no, no. I'm saying, like, no, I'm saying I like Emma Stone. Kristen Dunst versus Bag of Shit. Bag of Shit wins, you know? Like, Kristen Dunst was probably... <laughs> Kristen Dunst was probably one of the worst choices for Mary Jane. But whatever, you know? She was the hot commodity at the moment. They made it work. The only thing she was good for was wet t-shirt, kissing Spider-Man upside down, and that was it. You know, it's all it is. But um, anyway, it, it besides the short list of actors for uh, Spider-Man joining the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Sony, of course, wants to continue to rape and pillage Spider-Man's bones by doing an animated Spider-Man feature done by Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, who did the Lego movie. That's supposed to come out July 20th, 2018. Mind you, I think that's a terrible idea because <laughs> Marvel has a really lousy track record with animated movies. Well, here's the kicker. At least in terms of art. Well, here's the kicker. That animated movie will exist independently of the live action Spider-Man movie and its associated projects. Why? <laughs> Why? Ugh. Dude, you could use it's animated. Like, what is the point of making it? Dude, you could use animated movies to fill in the gap between movies. Like, why hasn't anybody thought of that? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that Rise of the Technovore movie was pretty decent, and even though you know it's technically anime, I mean, yeah, they completely ignore it. Yep. But um, a lot of stuff came out of CinemaCon. Obviously, a lot of the Spider-Man stuff. They are doing a sequel to the Equalizer. I have no problem with this whatsoever because Denzel Washington was amazing in that movie, and um, the movie made a hundred. They said they were planning on like making a series out of that. Yeah, there was uh, from uh, the well, beginning. Well, that was based on a series originally, but um, 
it's interesting that they're going to do that. And I actually didn't know that that movie made almost 200 million and it only cost 50 million to make. So at that point, it's a no brainer, you know? There you go. Now, we got we got the the last bit of, of of movie news to wrap things up. Some of you may consider this what the fuck movie news, and I'm and I'm I brought you in primarily for this. Uh, they're doing a obviously. I'm not gonna teen, hate you. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles two is currently filming, which we already know. Um, and you know Steve Stephen Amell who plays Oliver Queen is going to be playing Casey Jones. We've talked about that. Um, Tyler Perry is playing Baxter Stockman. <laughs> you know why I have a problem with that? I'm going to let you say why if, you have a problem. A, let's say if, if, if just for a second. Okay. Just, just to piss you off for a second. Let's say if they were made Baxter Stockman a white guy because, you know, in a cartoon he was, but originally in the comics he is black. Correct. Let's say they made let's say they made Vince Vaughn Baxter Stockman. That would be fine because that Baxter Stockman was a bag of shit. Well, white Baxter Stockman was... is Vince Vaughn. <laughs> 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 let's be realistic. Dude, Baxter Stockman in the cartoons was as vanilla as vanilla could be. The only good thing about him was when he became the fucking bug. Anything before that it's like, oh, great, mad scientist guy. Thanks. I'll take the Rat King, please. <laughs> and I mean, then again, it's, it's weird the way they want to do their casting because it's like they pick and choose how they want to do yep. it. April O'Neil was originally black. Right. But I, I, it bothers me because, you know, the whole linking to uh, Medea. And the original <laughs> Black Baxter Stockton was a very serious character. Exactly. Well, that's what got me because I said, like, to, I said to myself, I sincerely doubt, and I could be wrong, that yes, we know Tyler Perry likes to get made up. We know that. But I'm like, I don't know if Tyler Perry's going to feel comfortable playing a giant mosquito in a lab coat. <laughs> that's what I said. I'm like, I don't know if he's going to be comfortable with that. <laughs> That's that's can my big Hmm? Can we just get a can we get freaking can we get Kevin Nash to to reprise his role as Super Shredder and just kill him? Dude, that's that's the thing that I was talking about, you know, I was thinking about because this new film is going to have Rocksteady and Bebop. And a lot of people were saying, "Oh, that's that that's going to be either really good or really bad." You know what's weird? Like the turtle designs, not even the movies themselves, the movie itself, whether you like it or you don't. I like the modern turtle design that they used. And the reason I do well, is be- I hate it. Well, hold on, hold on. Going off of that design. Let me hold on. But before they, you jump if in, they're going to use that. I- before, before you jump okay. in, the only thing I want to say is the only reason that I, that I gravitated towards that turtle design is because it gave each turtle personality. That's it. Not to say that the that the old ones growing up in the old movie were were better or worse, but I liked being able to look at them and and just differentiate. You know what I mean? Like Donatello was the nerd. Everybody saw it. Yeah, he had to wear the glasses and all the shit, whatever. But it, it was it was good because kids felt a kinship on a be, on a on a different level. You get what I'm saying? I mean, I, I can go go into a whole 
realm of why I disagree. Okay. Because honestly, the personality look that you're talking about, the whole point of that is merchandising. Oh yeah, it is merchandising, they but really I like don't give a fuck about personality. Right, but kids also gravitate towards the original, that. Uh, no, I was saying kids are a sucker for that stuff. Like like Bumblebee, you know, and, and his design. Yeah, Optimus Prime is the leader of the Transformers and his design is a nice vibrant red and blue because it's like mommy mommy look look. You get what I'm saying? Like it it's always merchandising, but Aside from that, I liked it because I liked how they just had individual looks to them, you know? Again, not to say that that's and, and right that's or wrong. Why, that's why I'm disagreeing with you because in the original comic, first of all, I mean, if anybody doesn't know, the original comic was black and white. Correct. So it didn't even matter whether they wore because if it were in color, they were all wearing red bandanas. Right. But even if they were wearing red, blue, purple, and orange... You never would have saw it. This is true. The and weapons were with, were the giveaway. You were still able to tell them. You were still able to tell them apart by personality because when you would read it, they you know the the writing was that good that you could still tell them apart. No, and I and I understand that. And the right and, and and writing is is crucial. But we're also looking at this again, going back to what I said before, in a self contained universe. Don't again. Don't get me wrong. The movie was not great. Not by a long shot, but the design was not as. Oh, you still haven't watched it, dude? Damn, dude, it, it's 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 painful. It's painful for me to, to go into it, but I, at some point, I guess I'll have to. But what I was going to say is the reason why I think Rocksteady and Bebop will look good is because even though I hate the way the new turtles look. There they complement the design. A a maturity. There's a maturity to their design, right? That tells me that Rocksteady and Bebop could look really, really vicious. Well, you and know, that, what? even if they make them idiots, that will that will sell them that much harder. But they were they had designs for them online, and I mean, I, I'm just counting down for the day when you know Shredder's like and the turtles, but boss, they got away, boss. <laughs> <laughs> as long as I get that, I'll be all right. As long as he just sounds like a Brooklyn cab driver, boss. The turtles—they—they they, they were there. They just—they were gone. <laughs> yeah, but you know we're not gonna get what we want in terms of that. No, we're not. But you know, I mean, the turtle designs, like I said, uh, movie aside, I I like the designs because I liked I like the more you know like like big ass fucking turtles fucking shit up. You know, like that was all right. That was cool. I mean, you know, I didn't like Michelangelo looking at April O'Neil and going, "Oh, my shell is tightening." I'm like, "Oh, that's a little creepy, a little, little on the creepy, <laughs> little bit on the creepy side." Oh yeah, you didn't watch it. Sorry, spoiler. But um, yeah, he's like, "Oh, I feel no, my shell tightening." Anything for me, buddy. Yeah, I was like, "Okay," I'm like, "All right, that's a little, uh, yeah." <laughs> but we you also want have to hear something crazy though, and this is going on giving you what you want. Shoot. Going with that type of voicing, you know who, who, who would be perfect to voice Rocksteady? Who? John Leguizamo. John Leguizamo would be really good. John Leguizamo. If he can pull off that Brooklyn accent. If I had to go with anybody, and this is super, super just because what else is he doing? Dude, the dice, the dice man. Hey, I'm a talking rhino over here. <laughs> what are you doing? Come on, <laughs> stupid, let's go. <laughs> Oh, 
But I'm surprised nobody has tapped him for any kind of voiceovers. But seriously, then there's that stigma of his mouth. But yeah, but dude, Eddie Murphy stigma. <laughs> yeah, but Eddie, Eddie Murphy never got blacklisted from anything. This is true, but the Dice Man was in a separate category, dude. I remember, I remember, I watched Ford Fairlane when I was a kid, and my mother's like, "What are you watching? Nothing." Click. I still watch. I still watch that movie. There you go. Anyway. There's nothing like Eddie Murphy. I mean, excuse me, Ed O'Neill, freaking trying to dance, talking about booty turn, booty turn. I remember that. USA. Oh my god. <laughs> Terrible. But um, with that said, uh. It, 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 I wanted to close out with that Tyler Perry as Baxter Stockman because, again, you know, it's funny because Dark Helmet says Blackster Stockman. <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. But, um, again, you know, Baxter Stockman was a serious scientist. I, you know, if you're going to go with the whole, hey, we're going to make this guy a fly at some point in the movie, I don't know how well that's going to work. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. But then again, because as much as I can't stand him, Tyler Perry actually wasn't terrible in Star Trek. He was not. You never know. I mean... He was not. I agree. You never know because, I mean, love him or hate him, I thought Jamie Foxx was pretty good as, as Electro. I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. But it wasn't, it wasn't the worst thing I've seen. I've seen worse. I mean, he was kind of bad in terms of how Electro the comic book character behaves, but right. as playing a villain, I thought he, he did pretty well. Yeah, it was, it was, it was fine, dude. It wasn't the worst thing. Like I said, there's worse shit out there than Jamie Foxx playing Electro. Absolutely. All I want to know is, can we get Krang? But Shredder, put me in the giant robot body. <laughs> yeah, but then there would be the question of, which version of Krang are they going to use? The original, the cartoon, or what? I don't know, dude, but I need I need that Krang, and I need that Technodrome. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't see the Technodrome happening, but that would be fantastic. Yeah, dude, the Technodrome just rolling into, like, New York City would be bananas. Like, a gate opens up, and the Technodrome comes through. You're like, oh, shit. Or at least some mousers. Be on the level of some Stay Puft Marshmallow Man shit. Yeah, dude, exactly. Like, I, I, I wouldn't mind that. Just Again, there's just certain aspects of my childhood with certain key moments when you're a kid that you just, like I said, you just want to see them on screen because you're like, wow, that's crazy that they did that. Again, whether it's good or bad, you can at least go, wow, they actually pulled that off. Wasn't great, but they, they gambled and they, and they did it. Like, the Technodrome would look crazy, dude, if they did it right. Absolutely. Well, with that said, um, that actually wraps up the movie news for this week, and it's going to wrap up the show as well. Is there anything else you wanted to add? No, I'm good, man. All right, brother. I appreciate you chiming in and lending me the assist this week. Okay. All right, bro. Peace. <laughs> after, I did, after I keyboard worried you to death. Yeah, it's all right, man. It's welcomed. It's welcomed. It, it makes the show interesting. All right, man. All right, brother. Later. Peace. All right, ladies and gents, with that, we are going to wrap up this week's show. You've just heard My Take Radio, episode 289, which broadcasted live Thursday, April 23rd, 2015. If you want to get an archived version of this show, you got a couple of options. iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio for your audio versions. And for video, you can find us YouTube.com forward slash My Take Radio TV. 
as well as youtube.com forward slash official RageWorks. Quick reminder, if you want to get content besides My Take Radio, you can subscribe to our RageWorks channel. If you're only looking for the My Take Radio broadcast, you can subscribe to our My Take Radio channel only. In addition to that, you can get the best My Take Radio experience by picking up the My Take Radio app available for Android, iOS, and Windows mobile devices. For Android, you're going to head over to the Amazon Marketplace. For Windows, of course, you're going to head to the Windows Store. And for iOS devices, you are heading to iTunes. As for finding us on social media, you can follow My Take Radio on Twitter and look for us on Facebook. You can also follow RageWorks on Twitter, Facebook, Google+, and Pinterest as well. If you're into Instagram, you can follow me on Instagram, RageWorks underscore Rich. Share a lot of the uh, stuff that goes into the show on the back end. A lot of cool toys, action figures, food. I, I do share a lot of food. Uh, just a quick FYI. But nonetheless, if you're an Instagram follower and you want to get your RageWorks fixed that way, you can follow me there as well. All right. With that said, be on the lookout for our Moto X giveaway. This is the one with the wood finish, which will go live this weekend. On behalf of myself, Slick, and the rest of the MTR and RageWorks family, thank you guys for tuning in. I am out of here. Peace. Rich, bitch. <laughs> That's all, folks. <laughs>